You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Oh yes, oh yes, Holy Ghost power. Great God. Great God. Great God. Who has done great things. You may be seated, you may be seated. And because... God is great. We are grateful today. Because God is great, we are grateful today. And, And here's the message. Out of the greatness of God, out of the greatness of God, God calls us to be great. Grateful people, grateful praise. Out of the gratefulness of God, we are grateful and are called then to be great and do great things. And and, and the Bible, the Bible, it's it's witness from beginning to end, uh, tells us how to live out that greatness. We are given uh, great instructions, the great requirement that the the prophet Micah gave. Mike, you're familiar. Micah, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you? Uh, but to seek justice and to love kindly and to walk humbly with our God. That's the great requirement. And and then we flip over a few pages, and and Jesus gives the great commandment, gives us the great commandment in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the Lord our God is one. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and to love your neighbor... Love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, uh, in, in, in the Johannine literature, it goes on to say, right, right, how can you say that you love a God you do not see if you don't love the neighbor that you do see? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the great uh, commandment. And, 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 and Jesus lives out this great commandment by, by taking care of his neighbors. He, he healed the sick. He made the lame to walk, the blind to see. He opened prison doors. He did great things in life. And because of the great things that he was doing, often things that were countercultural, he was crucified. Because of the great things that he was doing, but get get this, uh, he does not stop there. He is resurrected and continues to do great things. That God raises him from death to new life, and still in that post-resurrection season, he is doing great things. And, and, And you see, in the weeks after Easter Sunday, this is where we find ourselves at the church. That As a church, we have been exploring these great post-resurrection stories. We're going to focus. We're going to uh, uh, delve in a little bit more deeply today. Last week, we talked about Jesus encountering the disciples in the locked house where they were hiding because they were afraid. They were scared. Uh, and, and Jesus walks through the locked doors just as Jesus can walk even through our locked hearts. And, and, and Jesus, he enters in and says, do not be afraid. Peace. Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Third time, he he says to them, do not be afraid. Peace 
be with you, and he blows onto them the Holy Spirit. He, he, he breathes and says, uh, keep breathing, even when you find yourself in situations that have you afraid, yeah. that, that have you anxious, yeah. that, that have you uh, just fearful of what is in, he says, don't worry, keep breathing, my peace is with you. My peace will carry you and I will give you that peace which surpasses all human understanding. As Christians, that means that even when our backs are against the wall, even when we don't know uh, where, where the money is going to come from, even when we can't see fully in front of us, even when our backs are against the wall, we can still trust and, and, and say, peace be still to any storm clouds that rise up in our lives. Today, beloved, we continue and we find another great story with the backdrop of the great requirement and the great commandment and uh, the great commission, the great commission that the post-resurrection Jesus uh, gives to them and says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So great requirement, great commandment, great commission. Today, uh, we find what is known as the Great Reconciliation. The Great Reconciliation that's found in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. You heard it ably read by Minister Ashley this morning. And this Great Reconciliation, it is a beautiful story. Uh, a gorgeous story. It's even a delicious story, right? When, when you really get into it and, 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 and examine it. And the moral of the story is this, that you should give love a chance. Give love a chance. It's the best. And in fact, it's the only way. That love is the answer. Love is the key. This wonderful story, uh, John chapter 21, it's a story about this better way. Uh, as, as, as the Apostle Paul says before uh, he gets to the love poem in 1 Corinthians, uh, John, you sang the, I mean, uh, Bill, excuse me, Bill, you sang the Corinthian song, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love poem, before we get there, uh, Paul says that there is still a more excellent way. There is a better way. It is the way of love. This is the, the way that comes before us in this great reconciliation when, when Jesus, despite being betrayed and denied and persecuted and beat down, he says, I love you anyhow. And love is the answer. And all is forgiven. Therefore, we find in this wonderful story today uh, that we are reconciled to Christ. We are reconciled to Christ through love. And once we learn and recognize and see ourselves and realize ourselves as forgiven, mm -hmm. we don't try to repay, repay the debt. We just pay it forward. We pay it forward because we have been loved. We love other people. Because we are forgiven, we forgive others. That's the great reconciliation. Jesus says, love people, pay it forward by feeding people, and that's how you follow me. Okay, so here's what happened. Let's, let's unpack it a little bit more. You, you heard it, but it's important uh, to repeat and to unpack it and see, uh, get inside of the story. The disciples are fishing, right? Or at least they're actually trying to fish. They're trying to fish because the story says they were fishing all night long, but they didn't catch anything. 
They didn't catch anything. And then the resurrected Jesus just at daybreak. Reminds you another story, the Easter story, right, that, that it had been a long night, a, a silent night. It had been a, a long week, but early that Sunday morning at daybreak, Jesus shows up. He is resurrected. So Jesus shows up again at daybreak, and he, he, he encounters these, uh, these apostles, these disciples, and he says to them, children, you have no fish, do you? Children, you have no fish, do you? And it, it kind of sounds like Jesus is giving them a hard time, right? Uh, heckling them just a little bit. Uh, you're out here fishing, but where's the fish? <laughs> and Jesus says to them, you've been casting your nets on the wrong side. Cast your nets on the right side. Uh, cast your nets on the other side. Beloved, I want you to remember this on June 29th when we have our annual fishing trip, right? If, if you don't get any fish on this side, go over to the other side. Jesus says uh, there's going to be some there. So, right. So he says, cast your nets on the other side, and then they make a great catch. They have so many fish that they're trying to bring it in, and the nets are breaking, uh, and, and then they have breakfast. Jesus says, come. Let's break bread together. And, and it's important for us as we prepare to go uh, to table and it makes sense of why we spend time uh, in service that, that, that before Jesus has a spiritual conversation with them, he fulfills a practical need, yeah. right? Uh, before he has a spiritual conversation uh, to feed their souls, Jesus provides food to feed their bodies. Mm -hmm. This is why our feeding ministry and our food pantry is always important in the life of a church. Yes, we provide uh, spiritual bread, and we are also called to provide physical bread uh, for uh, people who are hungry. The world is hungry physically and spiritually, and Jesus tells us to do something about it. Jesus tells us to do something about it. And at the dinner table, at the dinner table, the dinner table, the breakfast table, as it were, uh, becomes a table of communion where both physical and spiritual needs are met. After breakfast, Jesus confronts Simon Peter in this great reconciliation. After he provided uh, for physical need, he delves into a spiritual concern and declares to him that all is forgiven. Now, beloved, you know the story. After the, the great reconciliation is absolutely critical because we know that Simon Peter had messed up. That, that he messed up really badly, actually. That he had denied Jesus three times during his, his greatest time of need. That, that when they were looking for the disciples, when they were looking for the apostles, the followers of Jesus, uh, Peter, the one who is called the rock, was nowhere to be found. This is even more significant because when, when Jesus was first beginning to perform miracles, uh, people were asking, so who is, who is this guy? Some said he's Elijah. Uh, some says he's Moses. And Peter was the one who said, no, he's not Elijah. He's not Moses. He is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and, and then because of that, Jesus declared that, Peter, you are 
the rock. And on this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, will not prevail against it. So it is the rock who messes up, who betrays. Uh, but, but this is where the story gets really good. Even though the rock, the one who Jesus was supposed to be able to count on, even though the rock failed, Jesus does not declare Peter to be a failure. Even though Peter failed Jesus, Jesus does not label Peter as a failure. What great news is that today, beloved? It's, it's so good that, that, that Jesus, the one who loves us, is the one who forgives us and, and, and declares that no matter what you have done, no matter what mistakes you have made, all is forgiven. And he says our sins are forgiven, and in fact, there is no grudge. Uh, but Jesus says to Peter, don't, don't worry about what you did in the past, but, but get to the work because the people are hungry. Get to the work. He says, uh, just as he denied him three times, he said, feed the people. Tend to my sheep if you love me. If you love me, then feed the people. A relationship is reconciled. A relationship is restored. And then Jesus models for us the power of reconciliation. He says that in Christ Jesus, there is a blank slate. There's a blank slate. There's a fresh start. Each and every day, we are given an opportunity. An opportunity to do better tomorrow than we did yesterday. Don't hold on to the failures, to the mistakes, uh, to the grudges, to the pain, to the disappointment, to the anger, to the anxiety, to the fear. Don't hold on to it. Jesus says it is all forgiven and pours out grace upon Simon Peter just as Jesus, as God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pours out grace upon our lives. He says, move on. Don't worry about it. You can't repay me anyway. Yes, Just pay me, pay it forward. Do something for others just as I have done it for you. Oh, it's a, a wonderful thing. Why should we do it? Because the people are hungry and they need something to eat. And, and I'm giving you something to feed them with. Oh, it's a beautiful thing that, that, that we are given a blank slate, a fresh start a new beginning. That's what we celebrate when we go to table. Jesus gives us a new covenant uh, to make this world great and created in the image of the... Look, so this idea of the blank slate, right? It it, it comes from a long uh, philosophical history. I'm not going to go into all the details. But but on the one hand, right, uh, empiricism says that that we are born with nothing in our minds, nothing in our consciousness, so that everything in this life is learned. 
And, 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 and this idea of the blank slate, it, 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 it was opposing the idea that we are born with ideas already innate in our being, in our consciousness. And the role of education is to pull out those ideas, to, to enliven uh, ideas that are lodged already within our consciousness. And on the one hand, in the view of faith, this philosophical uh, debate is partly true and it's partly false. Here's what I mean. Because we are created in the image of God, a God who is good, in fact, a God who is great and greatly to be praised. Because we are created in the image of God, then evil is not innate to us. That, that doing bad it, that we are born with respect to the bad, and we're born with a blank slate. Okay. Let, let me say it a different way. That, that hatred, one is not born with hatred in your heart. Right. Hatred is learned. Yes. Hatred is learned. Yes. And the good news is that just as it has been learned, mm. it can be unlearned. Yes. It can be unlearned. And this is our task as Christians. We are to declare the blank slate. We are to declare that whatever wrong has been done, it can be nullified in Christ Jesus, that there is a blank slate. That's why we say at the Eucharist that, that hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Yes. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And it is our task as Christians uh, to teach that the, the wrong and the pain that gets passed down from generation to generation, that these generational curses can be broken. Yes. And that we can unlearn the things that have been taught to us. Yes. And that we can practice and live and love because love is a more excellent way. Yes. So on the one hand... We, we know that there are, with respect to, to evil and the bad, yes, we do have a blank slate. But then on the other hand, uh, because we are created in the image of God, a God who is good, and, and, and we reflect the goodness of God so that there is actually something that is innate to us. That because God is good, created you in God's image, then you are good. And you are called to do great things things in the world, that there is a spark of something divine inside of us, inside of us, that for the sake of the world must be released, that, that we are called to proclaim life over every human being when a world declares death. We are called to declare that no matter what people say about you or against you, that you are beloved of God, that you are created in the image of God, that you are good, that God loves you. And because you are beloved of God, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. God wants you to live your best life. As Christians, this is our task. This is our calling. This is our opportunity. Yes, we are called. We are called, we are called to proclaim the good news that all are good, that any wrong that has been done, it can be nullified, and that our sins are forgiven.
Now, in reading the story, the entire story of this great reconciliation of Simon Peter uh, to Jesus, we begin with them fishing, and by the end of the story, when, when Jesus says to Simon Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, uh, you may have forgotten where the story began. That ever happened to you? That sometimes you get so deep in whatever you're in that you forget how you got there? Uh, so, so, so we remember that the, at the end of the story, Jesus says, feed the people. And the beginning of the story says that, that, that Jesus taught them how to fish. That Jesus, that, that Jesus, when you read it in reverse, he gives us a commandment to feed, and he also teaches us how to provide the food to those who are in need. That, that when you read the story in reverse, Jesus has already prepared the disciples and has given them everything that they need. So wherever God leads, wherever God directs, God always provides. God always provides for us everything we need. But sometimes we just got to uh, cast our nets on the other side. Because we've been doing things the same way and expecting different results. And that's the mark they say of insanity. But Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. If you want to feed the people, I'm giving you the fish, but just take a slightly different approach. The disciples could have said, Jesus, you're a carpenter. We're the fishermen, we're the experts. What do you know about fishing? But I'm so glad that they listened and they cast to the other side because a minor adjustment can unlock major transformation. A minor adjustment can unlock major transformation. We're called to change the world, which requires us to change ever so slightly. And the major change in the world, the major transformation in the world might be unlocked if we are open to change. We've got work to do to feed the people. The people are hungry. We've got work to do to change the world. We've got work to do. We're called to do great things. But I'm so glad that the God we serve is faithful. The hymn writer said, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. All we have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. If you know the faithfulness of God is great. Why don't you just go ahead and, and just wave your hand? Don't even got to clap your hand just yet. Just wave your hand if you know that God's faith. Morning by morning, if, if you know God's faithfulness is great. Now go ahead and take both hands and put your hands together. If you know the faithfulness of God is great. And 
Now, let's stand on our feet and sing as we open the doors of the church and turn to table. Let us sing this beautiful hymn of the church. Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.